In today's episode of VFM, we are talking to the People's Partnership's Tim Gosling about charges, small pots, and what value for money means to him. everybody and welcome to the 42nd episode of VFM and as ever I couldn't be happier to be joined by my co-host Darren Philp. Hello Darren. Hello Nico and I couldn't be more delighted to be <laughs> sitting next to you in some fantastic new attire Nico. Yeah clobber, yeah yeah yeah. yeah. We've got matching VFM t-shirts. Courtesy of Richard last week so we will be posting a picture of us looking particularly hip and trendy. VFM the pensions podcast. So how's your week been Nico? Very good out at the football last night so we try and talk uh, not talk about the Arsenal well, I but, wanted to uh, sort of have a conversation about VAR and I think we should do a, 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 you know a, this a is value at risk no, no. no it is, that was my joke <laughs> oh sorry that's, that's the point. Oh, anyway, anyway you need to rehearse the jokes with me Darren oh, no, you're just too sharp Nick, it's though. called wit <laughs> so uh, we're delighted to have in the pod with us today uh, Tim Gosling the head of pensions policy at People Partnership so previously at uh, the PLSA DC policy lead uh, Nest Pada uh, Pada oh, yeah we've done that uh, Brand Democracy uh, and the Institute for Public Policy Research. So, Tim, welcome. Thank you, Nico. Thank you, Darren. It's great to have you on the pod. Oh, it's nice to see you both again. Yeah. So yeah, we'll, we'll uh, get into the CV a bit more later. I don't know. It's questioning, you know, Tim's next move actually, Tim's because because you know you followed me um, from oh. Nest to uh, uh, PLSA. Yeah. Yeah. And then you were never at Nest. No, I was not at Nest, but I was at PLSA. So, right. so, so, so Tim went to uh, PLSA. And then he went to People's Partnership. So, you know, it's either smart pension or um, independent consultancy. Um, that's an intriguing and slightly terrifying thought, there, Darren. And not that you've had a, a career I wouldn't want to emulate, but yeah, it's not not what I'm not really what I'm thinking about at the moment. If you see what I mean. I get that. Um, I, get that. I uh, again, we're not going to talk about football, but. Um, I do remember Arsene Wenger being asked how long he thought he would last. And he said, oh, you know, all jobs are like marriages. <laughs> you, you have to pretend like it's going to last forever. <laughs> <laughs> so, so we should never talk about what's coming next. It's very should, embarrassing. We should, we should, we should. Yeah, there, there were, thank you for joining us, Tim. It's uh, absolutely brilliant. Great to be here. Um, so do you want to talk about uh, the video assisted referees? Uh, Is that no, where you no, want to go? No, no, no. I, I think we should do the news. Well, look, before we do the news, yeah. um, I thought our listeners would really appreciate an in-depth uh, little piece about the pensions content of the King's Speech, which oh. was a couple of days ago. Yeah. So moving on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that one that one was rehearsed, wasn't that it? That was rehearsed, yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, um, yeah, the, the King's nothing. Speech that wasn't. Nada. What was your reaction, Tim? Were you expecting something? We've got a rule. We don't do budget speculation. We don't do King's Speech speculation. <laughs> um, I think it's easy to get that kind of stuff, that stuff wrong. Mm. We may say, yeah, see some stuff around the autumn statement. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure what the lack of a bill really means for DWP's agenda. I mm. suspect they're going to want to push on with a lot of things they flagged that was, as important. Yeah. So value for money, which is something dear to your heart. It is. Um, 
obviously there's a lot of stuff they can probably get done without primary legislation. Um, but, but none um, of the important stuff. So they can't force schemes to close and consolidate? No, they can't, but they can force disclosure. Yes. Yeah. Uh, small pots? Small pots. We should have an in-depth conversation about that. Uh, yes, yes. I mean, obviously, they could have done um, portfolios member um, without new yeah. primary legislation. They can't do consolidators yeah. without new primary legislation. Yeah. Yeah. But that 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 is going to require a lot of thought about how that should work. Yeah. Mm. Uh, and I think they're still sort of they're still figuring that out. Yeah, yeah. So you don't see it as um, a disaster. I don't see it as a disaster, no. Um, I mean, it's, well, I, I think I was first involved in um, small pots policy in 2014 as the nest person That's on the automatic transfers working group. probably when we first met. Too. Yeah, I think it might well have been. So, so I mean, we've been waiting a long time for this. Um, it's a problem we've got to get, get on top of, but um, some time while DWP work through the necessary, I think, is, mm. is, 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 under, is understandable. See, my key takeaway from the King's speech, and I think um, I saw some tweets from some people um, earlier today, it's like, pedicabs are not pensions. You yeah. know, that populist um, move. Well, to, I can't uh, believe pedicabs are that populist, to be honest. Well, exactly. I, I, I find it qu quite bizarre that His Majesty sort of mentioned that in the King's speech, and we didn't have anything on, you know, long-term saving and the future of our pensions. Yeah. It's just quite odd where we are at the moment. I don't, I don't know what it's like in other city centres, but you, you do need to be pretty close into the centre of London, like, on a Friday and Saturday to be annoyed by pedicabs. The people's um, pedicabs, they are. Yeah. <laughs> we are not branching out. You will not see. I'm, I'm, I don't take these decisions. I think you pretty much guarantee you will not see people's pension-branded pedicabs. Um, <laughs> so we'll do the news properly now. Yeah, so, yeah. Tim, what would you like to discuss? Oh goodness. So I mean, for me, I've been sort of taking a trip down um, the darker corners of memory lane and, and, and watching <laughs> the watching the COVID inquiry. Um, I mean, there's been a lot of stuff there that I, I, I guess we're not going to get into. Some sort of quite quite basic behaviour by uh, the, the the people concerned, but it's been re really interesting, sort of revisiting um, the nature and pace of decision making. Mm. Um, in sort of January, February, March 2020. I mean, like you know, both of you, I was sort of uh, talking to government at that point about what it was going to mean for business, what it was going to mean for long-term savings, and uh, what it was going to mean for automatic enrolment. Would automatic enrolment get paused? Yeah. Um, would we have to turn it off and turn it back on again? What would that do to the behavioural economics? So it's been really interesting sort of revisiting the... Um, I think the sort of chaos of that time, mm. um, seeing how difficult it was for the the main decision makers, how confused it was even for the scientists, and how much that explains um, a lot of what we all felt being on the receiving end of it, as it both on a sort of personal, um, you know, uh, perspective. I mean, I spent pretty much two months in my in my three-bedroom house, yeah. which was not an experience I wish to repeat. Yeah. Um, I remember uh, being on um, calls with you and the kids running. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I remember at, the, at one point being on a um, a call with the Treasury and the entire industry, and my my comment to the, um, the, 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 the call was, not now, Daddy's busy. I was the minister say, thank you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, that was, that was pretty much all I contributed to that one so yeah I mean it, it, but it's it's just been an interesting put an interesting thing to revisit and it's interesting sometimes when you're on the receiving end of events as we all were mm. just 
getting an explanation as to why things were yeah. as they were and that's true you know, true both in the business sense as we you know as we scramble to respond to 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 that but also a personal sense why i spent you know two months in my bedroom basically yeah, yeah. and and do you think that uh, the long-term implications of, of obviously covid are, you know we're, we're still you know grappling with them and stuff mm. but the, the long-term implications of this inquiry could be quite fundamental in terms of how we as a country actually function and decisions get made and you know I, I, I was I, I was listening to some of their evidence um, over the last couple of days and it's like you know the whole decision-making architecture of the cabinet and that just seemed to sort of fall away mm. yeah um, and you know are we set up to be able to deal with you know big national emergencies and crises like this I think there's a governance strand that I think is way above my pay grade. I mean, I have no idea how you configure number 10 to run a crisis like this. I think, though, there's one one strand that sort of does resonate for me, and I think that's true of, 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 of whatever, you, whatever you do, is nothing causes you more problems than thinking that you're better prepared for something than you actually are. Mm. Um, and I think that's a lesson that, um, you know, it's a lesson for government, but it's also a lesson for people who deal with government mm. uh, and it's also a lesson for people who are you know, people running 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 run, running businesses you know how good really are your tail risk plans yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. interesting but it's also the sort of hubris of control isn't it that, that to some extent you know by by having your hands on the tiller you 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 yeah. believe that any wave coming towards you must be sort of manageable yeah um I mean, I, I, I was sort of, I'm quite struck by, I guess, a, a number of different features. So, so, so one is the sort of judge-led nature of it, mm -hmm. um, and the fact, therefore, that it's sort of quite naturally adversarial. Um, mm -hmm. And I don't know how helpful that really is. Um, it, so, a, a, you know, a, a medical-led uh, mm -hmm. investigation, to me, feels more appropriate for some of the content. Yeah. Um, and so there may well be some stones turned over too robustly and mm. not not you know in a spirit of learning um that that it, it maybe misses a few pe beats there yeah yeah um the other it's, a, it's sort of like you tim casting ourselves back to um particularly the sort of pre-lockdown announcement um i was very I was, I was trying to remember a few of the sort of engagements that that dropped out of the calendar um and i do remember so 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 Greg and I took the decision not to go to the PLSA in Edinburgh, mm -hmm. um, and we loomed over the stage like Big Brother from from my bedroom. I was going to say we, Greg, Greg's own bedroom, <laughs> <laughs> from our respective bedrooms, is what I should say. Um, and um, it, you know, I remember going to I think it was Arsenal versus Watford, right? And I would say it's like the thirteenth of March, and it was packed. Mm -hmm. And um, so I'm not painting myself into some like you know not super spreader kind of kind of camp, but um, I did think you know, gosh, I think Arsenal should have cancelled this game. Um, but there was such um, uh, we're going to carry on as normal. We're just going to get through this. And I think mm -hmm. um, they, well, they, had, but, but, they, they had the deputy cabinet secretary, who I thought I, I was listening to her case. Her, no, oh, right, no, no, the deputy um, lady. I can't remember her name, um, but she was brilliant in mm -hmm. terms of how. You know, she answered the questions and stuff. And mm -hmm. one of the points I took away from what she was saying was, you know, the people making the decisions were divorced from real life. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it was like football. Yeah. yeah. It's in the open air. Yeah. Yeah. It's all fine. Yeah. Okay. Sixty thousand people. You know, going into North London. Yeah. Um, 
just think about the concourse, you know, and the bars well, and, 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 and the tube and, yeah. and the pubs. Mm -hmm. And, yeah. you know, it's not that the fact that you've just got a load of people in the open air yeah. and, and the risk of spreading it is, is well, low. Well, Cheltenham. Yep. Um, it's, you know, it's a lot more, um, you know, and, and I think that, you know, there is something that if you don't have that full cabinet collective responsibility, yeah. if you don't have people with experience <clears throat> yeah, of real life, yeah, because mm -hmm. quite a lot of our politicians are quite you know, privileged and they've got not necessarily normal backgrounds. Yeah. Yeah. And that's not true of all of them, of course. But it just means that you, you don't have the information set available to make good decisions. Yeah. So, so I guess, I don't know, I've described myself a few times on this podcast, I think, as an anarchist. Um, and, uh, you know, that that means essentially delegating decisions down to the lowest possible levels, the yeah. smallest possible unit. So it does strike me that we were for a while sort of caught on the in the horns between like an individual responsibility narrative that, you know, it's up to you if you don't go to these events um, uh, versus like a sort of top down binary, you know, you must stay at home, um, whatever that kind of awful language was. And, um, you know, I think other countries navigated an individual responsibility, particularly in Scandinavia. Mm. Uh, a bit better than the British. So whether we're a bit mollycoddled and too centralised in our sort of, you know, version of power, I don't also know. Don't be in, like being told what to do, do we? Yeah, that's something many people do. No. I mean, I think, um, I, I think from a pensions perspective, I mean, circling circling briefly back, I mean, the the actual Treasury response was pretty sensible. We got mm, the CGRS, yep. we yep. continued with automatic enrolment, yeah. and we didn't sort of break the thing that we'd spent the last yeah. sort of that was really important decade putting together yeah and so i mean i think had had that been had that been paused we would have needed to go through through phasing again in order to not mm. break the behavioral economics right um it would have been extremely difficult and it would probably have set a massive social reform problem pro pro project back i don't know five to ten years mm. Oh, yeah. think about how yeah. long it took yeah. to, to put us to put it together so there were i mean yeah again hopefully at some point we'll come on to that stuff but but um uh the pension stuff no no not the pension <laughs> not the pension not 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 here we'll come yeah. the economic response yeah um have a have a look at that in more have a look at that in more depth but i do think that was something that they got very right yes yeah um, yeah there was obviously some stuff that went well you know yeah. um but there's some stuff that went badly and and i think your point nico is you know we need to learn the lessons from this. And yeah. We need to learn the lessons from the inquiry. Yeah. To make sure that the next time, and there will be a next time, that we're faced with some sort of crisis, we're in a better position to respond. I mean, I I I, I do think that there is a there's a there's a sort of counter narrative that we need to keep in mind, which is that any politician in the light of this crisis can be found wanting. Yeah. Well, um, I think anyone in light of a crisis yeah, like this can and, be found wanting. Um, if we have a sort of again this sort of binary, you're either a sinner or a saint kind of view of the of history, then you know, watch out for our own histories because there's yeah, plenty yeah, of yeah, things yeah. where you go like in retrospect, um, did I make the decision in the best way? Was it a good decision? All of those yeah, things. Yeah. I mean, for me, I'd just that that sort of first three months was 18-hour days mm -hmm. of dealing with. Uh, an investment strategy or an investment infrastructure that was designed for a different world. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, so there was definitely this sort of sense of um, I, I didn't have time to get bored. 
I, I didn't, you know, yeah. I, I, just barely managing to feed ourselves. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it was sort of resurfaced in like late May, June, and kind of went right, okay, <laughs> you know, it yeah. is quite boring, isn't it? You know. Um, but I probably spent more time with my colleagues, <laughs> albeit virtually, <laughs> yes. um, in that period than, than I had done before. So I, I didn't sort of feel a lack of um, work community. No. Mm -hmm. um, I definitely felt over time that, that you know, the you loss of the kind of friendship you didn't, you I didn't. <laughs> and the, the void. I oh, know, a huge void. Anyway, what you got for us? Yeah, good question. Um, so... <laughs> Uh, I wanted to cover, so um, Nausicaa Delfast, yep. the CEO of TPR, CEO of TPR talked about um, uh, defined contribution and decumulation mm. um, the other day. That was so, at the PPI launch event, their latest research paper. Yeah, so um, it's under the topic of accessing DC savings, what does good look like? Um, and um, basically, so I wanted to skip over a bunch of stuff. That's right. She said a lot of things. Yep. Mm -hmm. um, but there was a particular focus on decumulation mm. um, and interesting hints around CDC and decumulation. So essentially, if you don't offer as a single employer trust or master trust a good decumulation yep. uh, uh, strategy, then, um, you know, you should be watching out. Um, because uh, whether or not your trustees consider you to be value for money, the regulator presumably at some point in the future wouldn't. Um, that includes things like decisions making um, and putting savers at the heart of decumulation, which, mm. you know, is, what does that mean? Yeah. Um, so, um, but then at the end, uh, she kind of said, oh, right, but we're working with some CC CDC decumulation uh, only products. Um, so there's a little bit of a sort of implied regulatory support, I think, mm. for a decumulation only CDC world of the future. Um, which I think will be interesting. Yeah. Interesting to navigate as the regulator um, and interesting to see kind of kind of what happens there. Um, so we've obviously talked uh, uh, out of bounds a number of times about CDC. <laughs> um, uh, but I think it was last week or maybe two weeks ago, um, I raised the Hyman's yes, point about cross subsidies between essentially wealthy, healthy and uh, Rich, poor, healthy, ill yeah. health. Um, <laughs> which is exactly the same for any insurance product, yep. any kind of risk-sharing product for, for longevity. Um, uh, but in CDC, which is purporting to be value for money, it throws open again what value for money actually means. Mm. Um, because this sort of outcomes basis, you, you, you know, how on earth do you put uh, the rich and the poor on the same footing? Yeah. Um, I, I have for most of my career pushed back on the sense that your pot size in some way should determine your risk profile um, because it generally would mean, you know, assuming that equities in the long run outperform bonds, that the rich will get better value for money from their pensions than the poor. Mm -hmm. And um, that to me is is not tenable within the system that we've set up. Yep. Um, so yeah, I think it does, it does need to be addressed. I think it's a real problem. Um, plausibly not within CDC, but within the value for money framework yeah. that tries to address CDC. Interesting. So it's a, it's a, it, is an, it is an interesting one. I mean, I guess the first point there is that the CDC decumulation is not within the scope of DWP's current mm. uh, consultation on on, on multi DC multi CDC multi employer schemes. Yeah. So we are a way away from a DC only, from a decumulation only CDC pro, uh, CDC CDC product. 
the regulator's comments not with not notwithstanding mm. I guess the second thing the cross subsidy point mm. um, I think there are, there are two points there first as a as a scheme serving predominantly low to moderate earners that's something we've been thinking about very very carefully yeah. um, we wouldn't want to be in a situation where our the savings of our membership are effectively cross subsidizing yeah. um, wealthier savers that's yeah. not acceptable yeah. to us but that also crosses over with the issue of how do you market a CDC scheme? What does the, you know, the, the, the who's desirable as a customer and what the book yeah. looks like yeah. look very, very different if you're talking about sort of decision making at retirement, how you market to those, 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 those populations than IDC. And yeah. again, that's something we're very mindful of. We don't think has been fully thought through yet in terms of you know, the commercialization of, 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 of CDC. Yeah. The regime at the moment is very much focused on you know, Royal Mail. Yeah, um, yeah. that's deeply uh, yeah, exactly. guaranteed, isn't it? Yeah. And, 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 and actually, if you were to move towards a situation where these things are, are commercialized, there's a marketing department involved, um, it all starts looking very, very different. Yeah, mm. yeah but the wood profits alarm bells start ringing again, don't mm. they? Oh, yes. Yeah. Uh, now, uh, people will... I think push back very strongly when they hear yep. you know, words like with profit, yep. but yeah, I mean, <laughs> <laughs> fundamentally, many of the I think many of the problems are very very similar. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. all the motivations you yes. know, that yeah. can lead to poor outcomes are very very similar. Yes, even if yeah. the structure is is, is slightly different. Yeah. Um, yeah, I just wanted to pick you up on your cost subsidy point, mm. um, and um, I put a post on LinkedIn probably last week, I think, because you had an announcement about charges. Yes. people's pension which i loved yes um uh, can you just tell us a bit about the thinking behind that super so i mean i guess there's sort of several things have happened i mean one is we've had a uh, the organization has changed significantly over the last couple of years mm. um we have a new senior management team uh and you got rid of the old dross yeah, is that yeah, what yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> i'm making no comments on any former colleagues including those present yes um, my nda prevents me <laughs> but um uh People, there, there is a, there is an energy in the organisation mm. um, and a desire to uh, refresh the proposition. You've seen David Malivio has made a number of announcements yep. in that in that space around a uh, retirement planner yep. uh, and so on and so forth, um, and around an app and also around pricing. Yep. Mm. So whereas um, some schemes will have essentially different pots mm. for the same people yep. as a result of memberships with different employers. Um, we operate a pot for life. Yep. Um, yep. We are one of the few schemes that do operate a pot for life. And where there is a difference in charges now between, um, uh, and I should say we, we, we operate also, as we were up until very recently operating a single pricing model, yep. um, where, um, where, where we are offering um, different prices, mm -hmm. we will offer uh, a member the lowest price that we, we, we offer. And I mean, I, I know that you're sort of, you, one of the thing, questions you ask is about you know, value for money. Um, one of the things I believe is that value for money should be automatic. Mm -hmm. You shouldn't be needing to shop around in order to get a good outcome from your, your, your pension. Things should simply just work mm -hmm. in the in DC in the way that they effectively just work in DB. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think we can learn while, again, obviously the two, the, two, the two sort of product classes are very, very different. There are things that we can learn as a sector from um, from, from from the way DB is, DB, mm. DB is structured in that it requires very little effort to get a good result. 
Uh -huh. so, 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 so it basically means that you know if you're if you if you're if you've got a saving history with multiple different employers, yes, um, that the the commercial arrangement <coughs> between the scheme and the employers there's different charge rates, yes. Um, Actually, the member-specific pricing overrules that. Uh, yes, with your best price guarantee. We will we'll slide. Yeah, we will slide you onto the lowest charge. The, lo the lowest charge we we, we, yeah. we uh, of the charges that we offer you. No, congratulations yeah. on that. Yeah, um, that's really good. Speaking of value for money, yeah, um, value for regulation. Can I come? Can I just finish to just uh, just on, on cross subsidies? Um, so, so I do think we need to recognise that they always exist. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. So, yeah. So, um, you know, just the nature of pooling people's money together always means that that in some way uh, there is a benefit passed from yeah. the people with more money in that pot to the people with less mm -hmm. money in that and sometimes pot. Sometimes you get good cross subsidies and bad cross subsidies. Yeah. Um, yes. So, uh, you know, it is a slight fiction in our um, kind of conception and, and in some regulatory aspects of DC that there's no cross subsidies mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, but, but I think yeah but sort of being deliberate around it for me is the critical yeah yeah um, so what did you want to yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and, and 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 value for regulation um, yes I know we've talked about your favorite band general levy um, <laughs> you know before but you know, um, MC, been, I think is the, uh, the MC, oh, okay, yeah, okay, yeah. okay. Um, obviously, I'm not down with the kids on, on this <laughs> one. Um, but we had the um, SPP and other trade bodies arguing against the recent uh, levy proposals mm. coming out um, quite strongly against it. Mm. Um, so the SPP, yeah, so the Society of Pension Professionals. Oh, all right. Um, and you know, they this is covered in professional pensions and other magazines, and none of the options are very palatable. Yeah. Uh, we know we've got um, a levy deficit um, and I think the uh, the third option which was sort of DWP's preferred option that we've mentioned before was mm -hmm. this £10,000 tax on smaller schemes and and I think that you know when I was last working on this back in I don't know 2019, 2020 or whatever um, you know we were calling for a fundamental look yeah. at this levy. Yeah. yeah, because you know we we're basically taking a sticking plaster solution, and you know speaking of cross subsidies, I always used to argue that blimey, you know how much a master trust paying on this, right. and if you think about average pot sizes of members, you know is the master master trust sort of cross subsidising the mm -hmm. you know activity that they're not necessarily benefiting for, yeah. notwithstanding that there's a general good to to this stuff. So I think DWP are tying themselves up in a bit of knots in this right. by just trying to sort of do piecemeal. Um, reform to you know plug a funding gap that is there, um, and it needs to be plugged. But you know, isn't it time that they do it a root and branch reform of this to make sure it's fit, fit for purpose? Mm, yeah. Mm. So we can't. I mean, looking at this one, we, we couldn't help but feel that they'd kind of buried the lead. So tucked away, I think, on paragraph forty-six of their consultation document is the the news that. Um, DWP intend for the AE compliance regime to be levy funded, mm. which adds yes. an additional 30, 35 million or yeah. so onto the onto the levy bill. Yeah. So as you know, TPR costs about 100 million pounds to run. Um, Starks Review rightly um, considered uh, felt that TPR are basically spending their money sensibly, um, but it's split uh, roughly 65 million um, uh, levy funding focused on on regulation mm. and 35 million on 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 the employer compliance regime for a, for a, for AE so i think our we were already i think unhappy 
with the current levy structure. And the fundamental problem there is that the amount of levy you pay is not tied to ability to pay because there's no link to the amount of assets it's per you've got member, under, isn't it? Yeah, it's per member. There's no link to the amount of assets you've got under management. And it would make much more sense from our perspective to tie the levy to the asset pool mm. uh, rather than to tie it to membership numbers. Mm. This is a, sort of a hangover from um, essentially days when um, essentially, it's a hangover from from from, from DB. Okay. Yeah. Uh, it doesn't really work in the new environment. The FCF levy is the same. Yep. Um, where our members are essentially paying roughly three and a half million a year. FCFs. A full compensation fund levy, okay. roughly paying three and a half million a year to fund full compensation that they have no realistic prospect yeah, of having exactly paid themselves. So, well, yeah. so you know, our our total levy bill is is nudging towards the ten million pound mark. Um, and it is again we're a non-profit we take we don't we there is no there we have two options one is that we can we can choose not to spend money on proposition development in order to pay for levies yeah. or alternatively we can charge our members more mm. there is no third source of mm. there is no third option there so while um it's important that for compensation and regulation are appropriately funded mm. DWP and TPR need to be very, very mindful of the impact of schemes on uh, of, 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 of increasing levies and also the negative impact of unfair levy structures yes. mm. on the new schemes that are carrying the bulk of the water in terms of the, 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 the rollout of automatic enrolment. Yeah. Um, it needs to be moved to a situation where there's an asset link. Yeah, and what's your, because option three, which is the £10,000 tax on small schemes, you know, is there to drive wider policy? Yeah, I yeah. mean, do you think levy should be used to drive wider policy? I, I think we're in favour of we're in favour of a full review. Yeah, um, I, I'm, 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 I, we're not, I think, going to be in a position to um, endorse any one of the three options no. because we think the DWP need to go back to yeah. the drawing board and look again at the levy structure. Yeah. And the I, I think a situation in which they're saying, okay, we're going to be putting an additional thirty six million or thirty five million on um, on the levy as a result of the Starks review conclusions, mm -hmm. doing that immediately after this consultation seems um, a, a, an unusual thing to do. They would be, in my view, better off um, saying, okay, we've got an issue with deficit. We've got an issue with stocks review conclusions. We should go back to the drawing board yeah. now. Yeah. And that's what we're urging them to do. Yeah. But I've got to say that does come in the context in which we are generally very supportive of DWP's wider agenda on VFM, yeah. on small pots, yeah. uh, on decumulation. They are saying a lot, I think, of very, very sensible things that a very wide range of people can get on board with. We but we do have a specific issue yeah. with 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 the direction of travel here. So is it um is it about distribution rather than quantum to, to your mind? Yes, essentially. Yeah. Um, I mean, we are we, we do not know how TPR the TPR spend breaks down between DC and DB regulation. However, the issues that DB poses are tougher yeah. for regulators. Yeah. Than, um, than 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 DC, and it would not surprise me if there is an overwhelming sort of DC DB split just think of within that. And some of this stuff. Well, yes, I mean the, the, the cost of hands-on regulation, the costs of looking, um, you know, for example, at the the LDI issue last year. Um, yeah, it is not a you know, DC just does not throw up or has yet to throw up that kind of problem. Mm. It's very difficult to see how. DC could throw up a problem of the the, the nature of what we saw last you know, last autumn. Mm -hmm.
Yeah, I'm sure I fully agree with all of those statements, but I might skip over it. I mean, to, to, to just on the, uh, you know, not, not profit, um, obviously the regulator itself uh, could also cut costs and could, could also cut staff. Um, and the lack of transparency, as you say, between that DB and DC split, I think to me is the hallmark of poor governance. Um, and so to, you know, I, I, I'm new to this conversation, right? mm -hmm. um, but, but to try and articulate whether it's one, two, three or ABC, at some stage you've got to put the data into the public domain as to where the regulatory risks and where the regulatory costs are, are actually landing. Um, and I saw a lot of inactivity over the LDI crisis. I, I didn't see, I dare I say they may have been pushing a lot of paper around, but I didn't see a huge amount publicly around what mm -hmm. TPR was doing. It seemed to me like it was desperately trying to work out where the stable door was mm -hmm. and the horse was just bolting. Um, so uh, if that's what the regulator, if that's a sort of good outcome for the regulator, then that surprises me. Um, you know, you and I, Darren, several times have talked about uh, a new defined contribution pensions regulator. Okay. Um, to me, in that review that I think you're right to call for, there, there has to be some sort of a what regulator do we need conversation. Because yeah. I, I, mean, I think we sort of approach this slightly differently. I mean, there's, there's always been sort of conversations about, um, you know, what part of, we should, should, should a part of TPR sit in, sit in the FCA or vice versa? Um, what's the best split? And actually, realistically, um, or from my perspective, a lot of it's about powers and more effective joint working and creating a um, an environment, certainly from the member perspective, where you haven't got a disconnect mm. between what you experience in um, regulatory perimeter A versus regulatory yeah. perimeter B, um, rather than saying, okay, who sits in Brighton, who sits in Stratford. Mm, right. um, so it's it's about getting that set of things right. And I think we have seen a lot of progress there um, in terms of TPR, um, uh, FCA joint working, yeah. particularly actually on the value for money stuff. Mm. Um, we're looking at a, at, a, at a set of metrics, I think, that will apply as, you know, across both um, both regulatory, bo both regulatory environments. And I think that's a really helpful, mm -hmm. a really helpful thing. Equally, there are you know there are going to be points where um, things are different. I mean, decumulation, for example. I think I'm very glad that DWP is not doing investment pathways mm -hmm. in um, uh, in 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 the in the occupational space. I don't think pathways are. Uh, they're a good they're a good tool to deal with some problems with yeah. non-advised fad they're not the answer for DDC, dc decumulation yeah. um i think it's really important dc's dwp's recognize that however the general trend is towards more joint working and that is the good thing that is the right thing we've just got a specific problem with tpr funding yeah yeah so how how come come you're such a pensions geek tim how did you get into this um fantastic Ooh, goodness uh, industry so um seeds were laid seeds were sort of sown relatively relatively early um i was uh lucky up, i want to be a pensions policy <laughs> <laughs> well that didn't that didn't happen so i was i would i, I attended um uh, as part of my you know, course, at, a master's course at LSE, some of John Hill's lectures mm. on um, tax and benefits and welfare state. Yep. So uh, that that sort of sowed um, 
early and considerable interest in how core bits of government policy work. Yep. Um, and I was always always more, more interested in how things work at the nuts and bolts level. So if you look at sort of a lot of politics and government courses um, in the academic space, they're, they're quite abstract. Mm. Um, they don't actually look at what government does and how it really works. And I found doing that really, really rewarding. So I did. Um, I did. A, I, I initially worked for a think tank after after university. I did a little bit of stuff at the Pensions Commission, mm. but not very much. Um, and then I had a, a long break from sort of pensions pensions policy, uh, and uh, spent some time in market research. At that point, I took a um, a contract with um, Padder to do um, uh, research on how. Uh, the scheme, as it was being called at that point, later later Nest should be should be configured. Um, some stuff on sort of um, uh, investment risk appetite and some stuff on um, uh, member demographics. And I was thinking, oh, I'll stay for six months. This is interesting. Mm -hmm. uh, but you know, ultimately, I got to do something else. And fourteen years later, here we are. <laughs> yep. um, so I mean, I. I I got a ringside seat for the setup of of, of, of Nest, and I found that absolutely fascinating. Yeah. And also, critically, it was of you know, in my view, proper social value. Mm. Um, we were correcting a serious problem in the UK's sort of social infrastructure, um, and doing so in a way that I felt was sort of. Um, uh, not sustainable in the sort of ESG sense, but sustainable in the public policy sense. It seemed to be something that could be supported by um, a very wide range of people and was therefore likely to endure. Mm. So yeah, I mean, it was, uh, it was, it was. I mean, I guess a lot of people fall into pensions by accident, but I'm glad I did. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And, and and the Nest thing was really interesting because it really disrupted the market, and I don't think we'd have other master trusts and the structure that we have now if it wasn't for Nest. Yeah, I mean, I think this is this is where we come back to sort of you know capitalism and creative sort of creative destruction. If you see what I mean, mm. um, it's it's an incredibly powerful engine for change, but it's not necessarily a comfortable process for the people that happens yeah. to. Yeah. Yeah. However, we are all better off for it. Yeah. Um, and I think the creation of a dynamic master trust market where we have got genuine competition at the to, towards the lower end, perhaps into what DWP had sort of you know late 2000s were considering sort of the market failure segment yeah. the fact that we've got competition there i think is enormously healthy yeah, i yeah. agree i agree and you moved from nest to was it the napf at the time or uh, it, it was the napf yeah, was so the i was NAPF. there for the i was there for the big transition yeah um and yeah again that was really interesting i mean i've been very sort of uh, focused on a specific um part of the market, a specific product a specific set of problems and then all of a sudden um from a trade body perspective everything is your problem yes yeah. um, and that was a real that was a real eye-opener I learned a lot I learned a lot about stakeholder management I learned a lot about um, the bits of pensions that I hadn't previously been exposed to it was a you know it was a fascinating time mm. and then um, was it Phil Brown approached you or was it Greg uh, it was Greg so yeah. I went to work for I went to work for Greg for and um, 2018 and again that was really interesting I learned a lot from um, I learned a lot from Greg. Um, I thought I knew, having sort of worked on the fringes of professional politics at the, the think tank, I thought I knew a bit about how stuff worked. And Greg, obviously, having been a professional politician, um, became very clear that, you know, 
I didn't really know how to. And, he wasn't uh, fighting to tell you, I think. No, no, no. I mean, it was, uh, it was, it was an education. I mean, it's one of those situations where Greg has got a really good sense of how things are going to go, yeah. how things are going to play out, what's realistic, what's not realistic, how people are going to react to it, um, and that's, uh, you know, that's a skill set you can't really, you, you can't really teach. You can only observe yeah, it yeah. And, and be part of, and yeah, learn, but yeah, yeah, interesting. Yeah. What a great career. Um, and I always enjoy our friend. You know, we've worked together for years now. Yes. Um, although never together, if you know what I mean. But yeah, I've always enjoyed our chats and, and, and your ability to um, quote the most um, obscure uh, pieces of legislation um, is, is a joy to watch. God is in the details, Darren. God is always <laughs> in the details. Um, and that's, that's particularly true in this environment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, I've you know, I've I mean, I've, I've you know, I've loved working with the sort of pensions policy community. I mean, that's sort of an unusual it's a great situation. Yeah, it's an unusual situation in that I speak more to people sometimes outside of my yeah, organisation yeah. than I do in my own organisation. And again, that's a slightly strange place to to yeah. be in. But you do get quite a sense of um, uh, what's going on um, and what's going to matter to your. Um, your company in a few a few years time yeah mm. or what will shape the market and that 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 kind of interplay between public policy and commercial decision making is something again that's always really interesting yeah. Mm. yeah yeah and that interaction with what can be achieved politically um i think that's you know both within companies um yeah. within the industry and within government i think, mm. I think yeah. there's a lot of rich um whether it's observation or yeah you know, getting your hands on the tiller. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, I mean, if they sort of thinking about, so circling back to sort of the, 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 the King's speech void, mm. I mean, I'm, again, not feeling too um, down about that, um, partly because I think there are things, that do, lots of things DWP can be doing and will yeah. be doing to progress um, their agenda, um, large parts of which I think we, 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 we support without a bill. We'd expect to see some sort of um, announcement on Mansion House. Mm. Again, yeah. we can maybe talk about a mo around 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 autumn around around autumn statement. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, lots going. You know, lots going. Lots going on. Lots to do. Yeah. Can we can we come on to Mansion House? Because I think sure. um, we'll ask the question, and then we can do. If, if we ask the question, what does value for money mean to Tim? Right. Ticks that box, and we can just continue chatting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Go on then. Tim, what does value mean to you? Uh, that was well teed up. It, it, was, <laughs> it, was in, it was in. It was indeed. You can clearly see that I, this is the the result of forty two, forty two episodes of uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Of, of of slickness and the um, t-shirts, the t-shirts. Uh, so the key thing for me is, as I mentioned a few moments ago, value for money needs to be automatic. Mm. Um, people are defaulted into a workplace pension chosen for them by their employer. Yeah. Um, that needs to be a good quality workplace pension. Um, we need a, um, a market that functions so that it's sufficiently competitive that we get right, the right sort of pressure on people to produce a good quality product with the right regulations such that we get a good quality product for people. Yeah. Um, getting those things right or and, and sort of advocacy on those things sort of being at the core of what I, what I, what I do, what I try and do. Um, also, I mean, I think people need to be in a position where they can take decisions with what is, after all, their own money. Yeah. Um, but equally, that shouldn't be required of people in order to get a good result from their pension. Yeah. Mm. So, again, that means 
default funds, I hate the phrase default fund, but you know, for want of anything better, default funds that perform at a, the right risk profile for target membership, and also a much greater degree of automaticity, or again, I hate that word, but something seamless at at retirement, yeah. such that the, um, the easy option is the right option for most people. Um, I mean, I think one of the things that, again, you, you set up um, before my arrival was New Choices Big Decisions. Mm-hmm. Um, we've been going through wave after wave of New Choices Big Decisions, um, a sort of a longitudinal qualitative study tracking people who first people to use the pension freedoms and our brave pension pioneers have had a tough time of it yeah um they really have by and large large amounts of money um comparatively but great difficulty choosing exactly what to do with that with their, with their savings, unsure of how to take good quality decisions unsure of where to go for support below the threshold where revise is a realistic financial um, prospect prospect for them and we've got another wave coming out i think in a couple of um in a couple in a couple of months so again watch this space but i don't think that's going to be particularly easy reading yeah. um and i think it's important that we you know we bear that in mind as we respond to some dwp's decumulation initiatives yeah yeah so yeah i mean it's it's a I guess it's uh, that, that's an answer that probably comes from my background at, at Nest at PLSA and then at TPP, focusing again on 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 on, on people who are outside of the advice space and are probably going to remain outside of yep. the advice space. But that things being seamless, things being easy, it's really really important to me. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and so, so just is a pension a pension? Do you think? Because that was what, what, who's trying to rebrand it? Pick. Uh, pick. Yeah. Um, yeah. So. Maybe it isn't, but it should be. Uh-huh. I think is where I get to. It, as I was saying, you know, saying, saying a moment ago, I think it need, DC, DC and DB are fundamentally different, mm. but DC needs to feel more like DB yeah. from the customer perspective. Yeah, that's certainly yeah. my personal take on yeah. things. I agree yeah. with that. And so, do you think the market will get there without heavy hand from either regulator or um, or, or legislation? I, I think I think sort of gentle steering. I mm. think is where we go, is where we is where we're going. Um, I think we'll get to a situation. I mean, I think we're looking at sort of two two trends. One will be um, uh, potentially a, ra- a more rapid pace of market consolidation. Yeah, fewer large entities covering the bulk of the market, mm-hmm. and then I, I think consensus will emerge partly through competitive pressure, but also partly through um, uh, partly through um, regulatory pressure on what an appropriate decumulation product set looks like. Yeah. Um, I would expect people will try and bring forward sort of to and through solutions, but I would anticipate at some point that's going to be disrupted by dashboards. Yeah. Um, so at the moment, I think it's going to be very difficult to try and leverage a pension dashboard service in order to you know, bolt on some sort of consolidation solution to that yeah. and then sell a decumulation product at the back of it. Um, in the first wave, that's not going to happen. The FCA regulatory package locks down what you can do with a commercial dashboard quite tightly. Yep. Yeah. But who knows where we'll be five years after the dashboard's availability point. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'd expect people to be looking to commercialise dashboards in exactly that way. Yep. Yeah. And I think that will result in great, much greater competitive pressure on schemes to offer 
something solid at retirement, and that will naturally yeah. boil down yeah. what the what the what what the product set is. Yeah, yeah. And so, because so, uh, just relating back to the sort of smoking gun from TPR's perspective in DC, it, it does surprise me. Um, how little interest they seem to have had about the kind of at retirement strategies being so exposed to bonds um, and uh, you know with the sort of annuity matching hypothesis which uh, it's sort of untested from a, from a sort of customer needs perspective so I suspect the uh, voices of those whatever proportion of the population that, that was affected um, have not been heard by politicians and there is no political narrative around this mm-hmm. uh, not least because the money is inverted commas small compared to you know creating a run on the pound and long dated guilt but I do you know for, for, if I was to have a plea for the pensions regulator is to to do more thematic reviews over outcomes mm-hmm. um, and that through retirement piece in defined contribution that to me is a regulatory value add yeah. um, and um, you know, I know because I reformed it and designed it that uh, the, the people's pension would not have been amongst the worst of the at retirement uh, outcomes. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, I do, I mean, I, I'm certainly aware of a number of schemes who hadn't really looked. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, that annuity matching hypothesis was in place. Um, so we also talked about consumer duty yep. um, and, and fiduciary duty and the, and the differences there, thereof. Um, I do think something around uh, ensuring that your product meets the needs of your target audience mm-hmm. um, or your target investors um, or your actual investors and their demographics. Um, again, th- there has to be some sort of oversight to that. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's quite an interesting sort of where where the ball is going and where the attention is and where, you know, the, mm-hmm. to some extent, the regulator seems quite driven by other people's narratives. Mm-hmm. Um, on DC, um, and I would hope that they can start to worry about the ten-year out, twenty-year out type type issues um, that that move from you know that seamless defined be, uh, benefit product into a DC product. Uh, the move of um, you know the Pandora's box opening with George Osborne standing in the house and saying, <laughs> "Let me be clear, nobody needs to buy an annuity." He didn't say nobody will buy an annuity yeah. or nobody should buy yeah. an annuity, but that is yeah. the consequence. Yeah. So um, there, there's a lot of different things in there, and I think we've been very, very distracted by getting people into these things, and the result of that compulsion mm. being, you know, quality and value for money being, being, uh, you know, how on earth does the government support that? Um, but I do hope at some stage that the regulator can can actually think ahead. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, it's just, to some extent, yeah. I mean, I, I completely agree with with that. I mean, one of the things that was very obvious at sort of Pada and then at, at Nest, albeit from my you know very junior perspective, was that the the employer onboarding challenge was so overwhelming. Yeah. Um, that it was very very difficult to think about scheme quality. Um, uh, at the same at at the same at the same time, from the policy perspective, yeah, yeah. Um, there's, there's a limit to the number of things you can do at yeah. once. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there was there was always going to be a natural sequencing of this around auto enrolment and the delivery of the yeah. you know the next generation of product providers, which mm. is what we've seen. So, Nico, you wanted to ask about uh, productive finance, and I want to ask about small parts. So, you go first. Okay. Um, so, I guess it's a sort of run specifically on the mansion house. Um, 
uh, sustainability. So, so um, the pensions for purpose and LCP wrote to mm -hmm. uh, the minister, yep. to Laura Trotz, right. um, saying essentially uh, there needs to be more focus on sustainability. Um, obviously, somewhere in the uh, what's the opposite of a buried lead? Like a sort of headline, yeah. a headline that you have no intention of fulfilling. Yeah. Somewhere, somewhere mm -hmm. in the kind of match and house, uh, certainly the first gasp of it was was around um, UK and whether they were saying it or whether we re read into it. Essentially, the the net zero transition was sort of a part of that. Mm -hmm. That seems to have died the death. Um, I guess. I guess my question is, you know, will we will we see mandating in some way? Is that actually the only way this is going to get done at scale in a way that has impact for the economy as opposed to potentially pension members? Yeah. So short answer is I don't know. Um, <laughs> I think one of our concerns has been that there would have been mandating. Yeah. And where we've been saying things, it's been to try and build a... I mean, again, I'm not an investment person, I'm a policy person. Yeah, My interest yeah. is not should schemes invest in any given asset class. It's are the is the policy framework right and yeah. the market framework right to enable trustees to invest across the whole universe of, yeah. of, 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 of possible things. So I think we're getting closer to a situation in which that's possible. Yeah. Um, we're beginning to see some products which are priced appropriately for, for DC. So, you know, when we sort of started this process, people were sort of commonly quoting things closer to two and twenty. The you know the Schroders LTAFs are not priced at that are not priced at that point. Um, so things are things are moving things are moving in that space, and that's um, and that's positive. Um, from a policy perspective, I think Mansion House sort of jumbles together two two things. One is um, uh, funding for less liquid assets that are tied to, um, or financing, finance, fi essentially financing the net zero transition is yeah. sort of strand A. Strand B is the, the sort of the concerns coming primarily out of the life sciences and tech industry about um, access to capital for growth phase businesses yeah and I think those are fundamentally two different challenges that are tied up in the in in the in in the in in, in, the, in under the same sort of mansion house heading and, and just to um, interrupt so what's really interesting is that leveling up has been dropped from that yes. right? <laughs> because yeah. the first letter from number 10 was those three themes so the science superpower yeah. uh, climate change and, and leveling up yeah. so. but the kind of I mean the kind of the kind the kind of sort of um, investment structures that you might need around those two different things are completely and utterly different, yeah. uh, and the, the sort of the policy challenge in each space seems to be completely, completely different. Um, on the, I mean, it strikes me that the um, the growth equity piece is a lot harder, uh, and a lot of the, I sort of described this as somebody who was networking, and it was sort of. Um, Interpreted and my comments were interpreted as sort of you know uh, white wine and prawn cocktails rather than you know, the, the 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 network the network between is that Roy Keane <laughs> <laughs> but the network the network between the network between um, uh, those businesses the asset management industry mm. and pension funds seems just not to exist in the way yeah. that it needs to and the building of that network is a multi-year a multi-year project um in terms of what might happen next i mean i think the 
I was up at Labour Conference about um, a couple yeah, sort of six weeks ago, and that was really interesting for a couple of reasons. One was because business was there in force, yeah. Yeah. and it wasn't driving the agenda, but it was being listened to, and there was a lot of, I attended quite a few sort of fringe discussions that were unusually detailed for fringe discussions and featured shadow ministers who were unusually well briefed on the detail and interested and energized. And business for its part seemed to be very happy that it was being taken seriously. Yeah, yeah. Um, but the second thing was the listening to sort of, you know, shadow ministers, including shadow chancellor talk, um, on the fringe, they clearly expect to pull levers and for stuff to happen. And so I don't think it's you know, obviously you know, who knows what happens um, in over the next sort of um, year or so. Um, obviously, you know, Labour have got a considerable lead in the polls that may or may not translate into 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 a majority government. But I would expect, um, and one of this is where I think we circle back to the mandation point. Yeah. Um, Labour are going to expect thing. They're going to expect to pull levers if they do get in, and for things to happen as a result of 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 of, of that. There was very much a, a a sense that they want to go out and achieve things. Yeah, yeah. Um, and that I think creates a source of risk for the pension sector. Mm. So if the pension sector is not able to respond to challenges from government. Uh, in a way that it's tried to, I think, respond to to, to Mansion House, but there may be further pressure yeah. to 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 respond. If it's not able to do that, I think that creates a source of risk. Yeah. Mm. Um, so that that's something you know that's something to be borne in mind. It's really really hard though to judge. Um, it that they have um, said very similar things to the current government yeah. around um, illiquids. Yeah. Um, you look at the O'Neill review. Um, they are, you know, again, they've they sort of picked up on the French TV scheme and so on and so forth. They're saying very, very similar things, but the the, the vibes coming off them are are energetic, yeah, and that's yeah. something I think we need to respond to, mm. and, or at least take account of. Yeah, and in a perfect segue into smallpox because we're oh. coming to the end of the, you know, um, the we've the done this before, before. yeah, <laughs> <laughs> badly usually. You know, do you think the whole productive finance agenda was the the driver behind going for a consolidator approach to small pots um, rather than portfolios member? I don't think it was the whole driver, yeah. but I think a number of things came together. One is um, government, the Treasury looked at um, uh, Canada and thought, well, why can't we have some of that? Yep. Um, the thing A, how do you reshape the market to build big schemes yeah. that have got a greater insourced investment capacity and that can invest across the entire market. Yeah. Um, so strand one. Strand two is portfolios member. If you go the portfolios member route, you have got a lot of money in flight at any one time. And the risk of liquidity mismatch if you are going heavily into illiquids and yeah. also you might be looking to move yeah. 30 to 40 percent of the book from provider a to provider b it just doesn't tie up it just yeah. doesn't work and i think they you know they that this issue was highlighted to them and again it's a it's a it's a significant factor and the third is that bluntly consolidators is a better option than portfolios member um certainly better from the value for money perspective 
Um, building there don't seem to be that many scale diseconomies in pension provision provided governance is good if you build bigger schemes you will get better vfm mm -hmm. uh, is our is is our is our view so enabling that from the government's perspective and then holding those schemes to a higher regulatory standard as they seem to be intending to do that's just better than cons than, than constantly moving yeah. cash from scheme to scheme to scheme um and then you know it gives you options that maybe didn't exist with portfolios member like um, stapling. Yeah. Um, again, we don't have a particular policy position on stapling. However, can you explain? this is an Australian, you, an Australian you, you term. You're probably used to. I'm just yeah. putting that on record. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So this is an, an Australian term. So essentially, what we think the Australian experience shows is that you start consolidating small pots. You build yourself an administration system and a market that allows you to consolidate small pots. And then you realize that this enables you not just to consolidate small pots, but also to get into a situation where there is one pot per Australian. Yeah. Right. Um, and so they call this stapling and that they staple people to their existing their existing active provider. And people can now, move if they want to. People they? can move if they want to, but essentially the the, the one pot per Australian yeah. is the is, is is the current situation. Now, again, we don't have a view on this. Mm. However, I think that's a lesson from overseas that we should pay very, very careful attention to because we are ten years behind Australia on our yeah. on our on our decumulate on our on our DC journey. Yeah. Um, and what they get, we what they do, we tend to take care, we tend to do we collectively the you know the 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 the, 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 the community tends to take very seriously. Mm. So I, I think it's I think they ended up in the right place on consolidators. I know that might be a, a, a contentious opinion. I know a lot of people were. So some of the insurers were certainly trying to kill it off, aren't they? Um, I don't. I mean, I, 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 and, and this and this again is where we come back to. I mean, it's it's very. I would not expect the opposition at this point to have a considered view of um, whether portfolios member or consolidators is the right way forward. I don't think they're thinking in that way. I yeah. think I would imagine that their, their focus at the moment. Would be on um, uh, would be on winning a general election yeah. Yeah. rather than thinking about what should happen next in, in micro detail in the pensions market, but the pressures that got us to consolidators are not going to go away. Yeah, all the policy drivers um, are going to remain, um, and therefore you can see a situation that's going to produce the same result. Yeah. Now, I'm not saying it will produce the same result. Things can be very likely and then not happen. Yeah. But the situation, whoever is in power, I think is going to be fundamentally similar. Yeah. Mm -hmm. it, we, we started off um, some of the conversation where you, you, when you introduced him, you introduced Tim as working for PADA. PADA, I think I said. The, the, the personal <laughs> accounts delivery authority. Yes. Yeah. yeah, we're almost going back full circle on some of that, aren't we? Because I think some of the ideas around personal accounts at the time coming out of the, the DWP Green Papers and White Papers and the Turner Commission, yes. cut back to the National Pension Savings Scheme. And then there was this idea of, okay, one pot, you have your personal pensions account. Yes. Um, so yeah, we, we, we might actually get there. There are no new ideas in policy at all. Mm. Um, things come round on a you know, things come around the site. You can really see this actually. I disagree. State. You know, um, regulation of pedicabs is, is, is you know, 
it's the vote winner, isn't it? But yeah, okay. fair, had, fair, fair, this, fair. this whole conversation am, around hackney carriages, not 150 I am, years ago. I am, yeah, exactly. I'm, I'm sure if you go back into the 19th century, this is this has been this has been discussed. Yeah, but they'd be forced to have uh, a bale of hay. A bale of hay. <laughs> but you can see things. I mean, you can see things coming around. The, you, know, you can see things coming around the circle. The triple lock debate. I mean, incidentally, you know, you, again, you look at the sort of policy documents that went into Labour conference. They were very strongly committed to the triple lock. I don't see things moving around there that much. Yeah. Uh, at least not in the first, not in the first blush of the government. Mm. If and it's a big if, they they end up in they end up in power. Um, the 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 thing though was as we went through the triple lock debate was how close or how how close some commentators are to suggesting swinging back to a a lower state pension plus greater means tested benefits yep. and i mean again your time at the treasury you've you know, you've seen this you've seen this you've seen this movie before yeah um so you know the, these things come around these things come around on the cycle and there are you know there are no new ideas can i can i pick up on one thing and then i know we need, we to, close. To, stop. We need to stop um so <laughs> it's just the the sense that the only way to finance growing businesses is off market um because i think this speaks to one of the other pieces in the productive finance agenda which is the the dearth of opportunities within the uk equity market that, yeah. that people are, are basically launching companies overseas or listing companies overseas um and uh i just i, I do worry that we adopt uh, a, a sort of an acceptance of some norms which aren't necessarily particularly long-held norms yeah um, which is partly two and twenty, partly uh, about kind of risk, and partly about the fact that you should, you know, it's, a, it's quite a high barrier to, to list yourself and then have access to the mm -hmm. capital markets uh, for financing. So um, yeah, it, it disappoints me that we haven't actually talked about the, the, the market structure. We just go, that's how it is. DC needs to pay yeah. more to take more risk and, by the way, put his money over, overseas as, as a result. Yeah, that's, 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 uh, and we haven't had a, a very sophisticated conversation about mm. why the US potentially has a superior capital markets product and why, yeah. in some, some cases, it's just better to be in Boston. Yeah. But that doesn't, you know, in some ways, my my role isn't to facilitate that, that conversation. It's to help DC understand yeah. what's going on mm. yeah. In, yeah. In, in, in government and why things are as they are. Yeah. And so from, 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 from I think from our perspective, this is something we're just going to have to deal with. Um, you can't take 60 billion in um, tax relief and untold billions in AE uh, contributions and then think that you are isolated mm. from the wider social context and economic context of your core products. Yep. Uh, it's just not realistic. Yep. We, and it's just such a shame we're coming to the end of the podcast because we could have had a good conversation about tax relief. But we'll probably have to leave that uh, for next time. Yeah, indeed, indeed. Never well, a dull look, moment. There's never a dull moment. I look, look forward to that very much, Darren. <laughs> so, what have right, you got coming up? Um, I'm still working on pu private public pension summit, DG Publishing event, and we're in the pod today. So, thanks very much to them. Mm. That's taking place in a couple of weeks' time at Penny Hill Park. Yeah, I've got a great lineup of speakers, and really looking forward to you know a couple of days of good pensions debate and discussion. Yeah, fantastic. Um, I am now announced as the chair of the Net Zero Investors DC Forum, uh, which is on the 31st of January next year. Excellent. Uh, so that's my second year in that chair role. I think it's a really good event. Um, I might be the, despite you know, the yeah, despite the chair. <laughs> um, so uh, lots of quick fire panel sessions, um, lots and lots of uh, people 
who know about both Net Zero and Defined Contribution, um, it's at the LSE. So yeah, uh, you can find it on my LinkedIn. I'm sure you can find it on. I think they're room five one one five one. Oh right, yep. Um, you'll 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 be able to find it. Do register. I think it's a pretty interesting event. Cool. What, so what we got coming up, Nico? Who? Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. same, isn't it? <laughs> well, I got Burnley this past day. No. Yeah. So. Um, <clears throat> Uh, next week, we've got uh, Uche uh, NM Chukwu. Um, then we've got uh, Caroline Eskert. Uh, then we've got Paul Watson from Host Plus. From Host Plus and the Right Honourable Nick Sherry. So, a bit of an Australia theme yep. in the beginning of December. That's that is. right. Yeah, looking forward to that. Um, so, loads of great guests. We're starting to look forward to a Christmas break. We are. Um, <laughs> from, the, from, from you, uh, yeah. <laughs> and hopefully you're going to be disappearing to France for four weeks. So, well, I'm disappearing to Dubai for COP oh, first. Oh. Um, so uh, I will be moving and shaking amongst the the, the true decision makers. Yeah, I'll be yeah, there'll yeah. be like this inner perimeter and then an outer perimeter. And, be on the outer and then perimeter. there'll be like an outer outer perimeter, and then outside of that there'll be me. Right. Um, <laughs> so I'll be like desperately trying to coup over like the dove from above all of these uh, really important people to come and talk to me and they, they won't be like unable to see me um so yeah looking forward to all of that stuff brilliant. tim thank you so much for coming that was great that was thank you this has been really enjoyable yeah it is, it's, <laughs> it's not you. too painful either is it <laughs> we totally don't. professional yeah totally yeah, professional, yeah, right? yeah no it's been it's great um always love chatting pensions policy with you and um as you say what, what did you say it was uh God, God loves the detail. What was it? God is in the details. God, God is in the details. God is in the details. I think um, you know that's very <laughs> true when it comes to policy. And you know, if I ever need um, um, a reference of pensions legislation, I know exactly who I'm. Going to. <laughs> if you ever need a reference for pensions legislation? You should talk to a lawyer. No, well, yeah. <laughs> um, cool. So that's it. Yeah, fantastic podcast. Great stuff, Tim. Um, and it's bye from me. Until next week, it's bye from me. Thanks a lot, folks. Bye from me. <laughs>